welcome to Q&A with SNA. I am Andrea and this is our first uh, time sitting at the chair together with Shane and myself. Uh, and today we'll be talking about work-life balance with our special guest of the day, who is Joe Stefan. So thank you for joining us, Joe. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, Andrea, for having me. Um, so a brief introduction into what Joe does. He uh, co-owns Stefan Independent Advisory, which is a private wealth management business for family businesses. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Tell yeah. us a bit about it, Joe. Yeah, so um, it's a, obviously a family business. So I work with my brother, uh, James, and I have been doing so for, geez, it's got to be about 17 years now. So a long time. Yeah, um, amazing. Very enjoyable. We work with uh, clients that are um, of a similar ilk in the sense that they've got their own uh, businesses that, we, that that family members are involved in and um, with all the issues that are associated with that. So um, we feel like we're well positioned to be able to help those clients because we're aware of what it takes to run a family business given we do so ourselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's important to have a bit of um, empathy with what they're going through. It makes it Dip, you know, a really good way of giving advice. Exactly. Uh, yeah, great, great um, thing. So tell us a bit about you then. Okay, me. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, well, I, I would say I'm not your archetypal financial planner in the sense that, uh, especially early days when we were starting out, I definitely felt the pressure of being a certain way, personality-wise and um, sort of conforming to the ideals of um, what what financial planners typically look like, yeah. conservative and so on and so forth. A bit, I'm a, a bit like accountants. A bit like accountants, right? Yes. So I'm more of a creative person. And what's, what's great about the symbiosis between myself and my brother is that uh, James is probably more uh, focused on the technical financial strategy side of things. I'm focused more on the business opportunities, the marketing, the client communications, um, those sort of aspects of, of business. So in, you know, in family business, we, you know, we operate as a 50-50 down the line split on everything in terms of our, 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 our contribution. Um, and yet we, we come at uh, our tasks in very different ways. Um, and, and that's what's created the sustainability in our practice and the, the willingness to want to work in the practice is a lot, largely as a result of it being a family business. Yeah. And just on that family business, it actually goes back before you and James, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, which is a beautiful thing because I think part of the reason it works between James and I is that my father prior to that was so strong with his sort of ethics and his values. And, and James and I just have such um, clear and similar um, makeup in that area. You know, our, 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 our values are aligned yeah. and the way we come about it is different, but that's the perfect um, scenario. Um, so, you know, aspects like, and I know these things when they're said, they almost seem a bit trite, but, you know, just a, an honest approach, you know, an approach of integrity, um, you know, not just doing everything for the money. Yeah. These aspects are very clear between James and I, and then the way we actually create the strategies to ensure that the business operates in that way, they can vary between James and I, but we often come to a consensus agreement. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think um, one of the reasons why you we've asked you to be on the podcast with us as well is that um, all of the things that you've just said mirror almost exactly the way Shane and I work mm. as mm. well because mm. I'm not an accountant and I yep. don't approach things in an accounting firm or professional services from the same um, aspect as Shane does no. either. But as a result of that, we get this perfect um, blend of what 
what works between the two of us and so it's a really similar thing yeah that, absolutely um yes. you can you can just work uh in a certain way that you know that you're going to come you might diverge for a bit and then you'll come back but the values and everything around that stays the same no matter which sort of path you've walked on yeah correct there's no second guessing on the mm. what what's behind the person's responses yeah, like yeah. it's very innate and very clear for me um you know being my brother we've you know we've grown up together like yeah. so uh, even conflict resolution like yeah. it's it's quite easy yeah. um i think there are some challenges but they're 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 um they're, they're, sl they're kind of um, slight nuanced. They're things like um, James giving me too many outs uh, for um, because my personal circumstances may have affected my business uh, performance, as an example. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, talking to each other about setting standards and accountability to each other, even though that we understand and have great, great empathy for each other. So, that, you yeah. know, there's an example of a challenge that you have. Uh, in, in, in family business. Yeah, yeah. You just got to approach things from there's some things that have to be um, business perspective regardless of the family situation. Yeah. And I think, you know, being able to set KPIs and goals and all of those things, yep. which normal businesses do, yep. um, it's good to be able to do that as well. And, you know, that's something that Shane and I have developed along the way as yeah, well. That sure. You know, you've got a level of expectation, but it's always good to have, you know, just those dot points and you know as you said you don't want to feel like you're giving each other too much slack no. but still enough slack because you know it's not even slack really is it it's just the empathy that you both yeah. really are you know involved in each other's yeah. lives like everything it's a balancing act yeah, yeah. um but to, you know just good communication and clear communication is a is a, is a fundamental. We have it in spades. I, I understand that family business isn't easy because not every family dynamic is the same yeah um, and not every family member is the same. So you could have a family business with three or four siblings or parents involved and so on. That becomes a little bit more chaotic. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> and in my experience with clients, it's definitely chaotic. And it's a, a large part of what differentiates. I mean, you're going to talk about differentiation in business. I mean, a large part of the differentiation is the awareness um, and the empathy around and the, the asking the right questions of clients to un, sort of unravel some of the reasons why things aren't moving forward and they are usually usually non-financial reasons yeah. mm. that things don't the bottlenecks that you know are there yeah and, exactly. um, so i think we we're very good at that yeah yeah we had a conversation with somebody a little while ago who specializes in um family businesses he yep. specializes in family wealth and mm -hmm. really high net worth mm -hmm. sort of stuff mm -hmm. and one of the things that he said to us was that um you know, the more money you've got doesn't make life easier in family situations because there's so many things to think about and so many things that I guess normal people like us don't think about. Like, you know, do you need to um, have security and do you need this and do you need that in terms of like personal security because we're talking really high net worth families. And he said to us there's dealing with family businesses is a really – um, strong sort of niche, like you've got to get what they're about. Mm. What makes you a really good advisor to family business, do you think? Like what holistically do you think you bring to family businesses? Well, you can read as much as you want. You can try to study as much as you want. But the reality of it is if you're not working exclusively with family business, you're not going to have the practical experience to mm -hmm. understand the issues that occur readily. Yeah. And so one of the things that we did early um, is to say to ourselves, we're going to put a flag in the ground and say we are for family business. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and that means that when clients do call, um, we let them know that that's the case. So yeah. if they found us on a website search and so on and so, so forth. What that does effectively is means that what you're what you're getting as a stream of clients are the same types of clients. They have all different types mm -hmm. of issues, obviously, but you're starting to get a feel for what the family business issues really, really are. Mm -hmm. And so therefore your processes, your systems, your questions, the way you deliver is relevant mm -hmm. rather than I work with pretty much anyone that has money, yeah. mm -hmm. right? And then all of a sudden anyone has money sort of dilutes your approach. So yeah. what makes us different is the fact that we are strongly and staunchly outside of the financial uh, side of it for family business. Mm -hmm. And we think that financial comes as a result of that, yeah. right? Because yeah. people feel and understand that you know what you're talking about and you know how to approach them. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're getting, you know, very good traction with those, with those families that we work, yeah. work with. And what are some of the things that you come across every day in those family businesses? Yeah, so I mean, one of the thing is to what extent does a gift actually um, spoil our children? Yeah. Um, I don't want my kids to be trust fund babies. Mm -hmm. um, there's, yes, we've got a charity and I I actually feel, so this is with charity, charitable families, I actually feel a great burden of responsibility around that because I don't, I made, we created this money and yes, we're giving it to charity and it's no longer mine, but we're the custodians. And so I feel somewhat responsible for that. Yeah. And, you know, every time we give a dollar away, what's the impact of that dollar? Is that actually doing anything or is this just, we're, we're holding onto this money, giving it away to charity for the, for our own ego. Yeah. Um, so that, that, you know, on a charitable side and yeah, family business side is a lot, is a large part around, um, you know, kids having different competencies. How do I make one the leader and the other one not feel so, yeah. you know, uncomfortable? Um, how do I make sure that my, uh, my, my retirement and my plans are sorted such that I don't feel like I need to hold on to this business for grim life? Mm. Um, how do I develop a, uh, a competency outside of my business so that when it comes time to actually retire, I don't stifle my children who are ready to take the next step? Um, you know, these are the aspects that we kind of help with because as an example, if we can, you know, create the confidence and certainty around a person being able to have the funding to reduce the amount of hours that they mm -hmm. do at work, that means they can develop another string to their bow. They can do have another hobby. They can do something else. We all know the typical business owner with the pattern that will just keep on doing the same thing over and over and over mm -hmm. again, and they've got nothing else. Yeah. Now, I, I'm not judging that. I'm, I'm simply saying that that is a, 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 you know, a practical thing that I see regularly. And it's been so, so regular that even in my own life, I've completely changed that from now. I'm 42 years old and um, I just don't want to be that way. Yeah. I, I want to have other things that I'm, I'm able to do later on in life. Mm -hmm. So what are those things? Oh, great. <laughs> That's a good question. Good segue. Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, for me, there's, I just have, yeah, like heaps of hobbies that I like. One of, one of my favorites is music. I, mm -hmm. I find that uh, incredibly uh, rewarding. Uh, it's an introverted task. I am extroverted by nature, but I also have periods of time where I seek going inward. Mm -hmm. And for me, I write music, I play guitar, I sing. Um, that was, a, I really kind of probably had the insight about eight years ago that I should go back to that because when I was a kid, I used to love it. It was the only thing that felt really innate and clear to me that I was 
I was good at it. I didn't think too much. Yeah. And I'm a very cerebral person, so it actually settles me. Um, and I also think that, you know, if I wasn't working, I could pursue that for fun and not for any financial reason. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's very cool. We have musical kids, so I understand what you're saying about that because they uh, are often in their happy place when they are, you know, singing or playing music or creating stuff in that respect. So that I get that. There's got to be something else other than music, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's heaps. I mean, I've got my own podcast, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So excellent. often people say, "Is that for the business?" And um, you know. Um, I would say that it's not really for the business directly. Yeah. Um, there's an indirect impact sure. on the business. Yeah. But um, for me, it's about my own personal development. Mm -hmm. uh, and you asked about how I'm able to work with families. And, mm -hmm. well, when you speak to so many people um, and you learn about so many people, you are you're becoming more competent in being able to deal with the issues. You, yeah. You've seen the patterns before. So the podcast is a labor of love and um, that's something that I could do forever. Um, and I've done 50 episodes now and I feel that over those, over those 50 episodes, I have grown as a person, uh, you know, so, so, so I, in, in the last four years, I feel like I've grown as a person so much more than I did in, the, in 10 years prior. Mm -hmm. And I think a large part of it is those conversations. Yeah. They've informed some of the, some very specific aspects of my life. Yeah. Yeah. So what um, what sort of guests do you have on your podcast? Like, what's the focus of the podcast? Yeah, it's funny because I, I really wanted to make sure that it wasn't just a financial another financial planner yeah. podcast because um, there's a lot out there. Yeah. And um, I thought what would be interesting is my observations of people and the way they actually approach money. Mm -hmm. um, from a meaning perspective, so it's the interaction and the intersection between meaning and money. And how money can be an enabler or a disabler yeah. and how it can be a noose around our neck if we don't uh, allow it to actually um, allow, uh, allow it to support our ability to uh, meet what we know uh, is going to help our well-being. Mm -hmm. So money should assist our family. Money should assist our, help, our health. Uh, money should assist our personal development. It shouldn't be the thing that takes us away from those things. Yeah. And what I find is that in our capitalist society um, and the way we're so economically driven, even as a family unit, we often forget about the things, the fundamentals that are so important. that are sometimes a little bit removed from just chasing the money for the sake of money itself. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and so I have conversations with people who have money, who don't have money, um, who have interesting stories. I've got, mm. I had a guy called the generosity monk who, um, effectively gives all away gives all of his money away bar two months of his cash flow. Wow! And asking him questions around that, I mean, how interesting is that? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's a motivator, isn't it? When you finally you know get yourself to a point where you can meet with people and just hear their stories, it's like you know the people who say that they love to people watch. Well, yeah, what you're doing is people listening. that's true and i do <laughs> like the, the people thing, watch as well yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, no no voyeuristic um situation there at all nope. um so you've done 50 episodes mm. do you have a favorite you don't have oh. to mention the particular person but you know the concept around it do you have a favorite mm, that's a really good question i've had so many that it's hard to like yeah. pin down exactly <laughs> i've had a few favorites I, I think the ones that tend to focus on things like 
the value of time mm-hmm. versus money really yeah. intrigued me. Um, so there was an episode, it was early, and it, I think I, I remember it most because I was so excited to get this person on. His name's Hal Hirschfield, from, uh, he's an academic in the UCLA University. Mm-hmm. He has numerous TED Talks on things like his research into the value of time versus money. Yep. And I just found his whole, um, his whole research piece so intriguing and um, so valuable mm. uh, for me. Again, these things end up informing the way that I run my life. Yeah. Um, and it's been pretty, pretty fundamental and pretty, pretty um, um, helpful. Yeah, and that was an early on one. Yeah, it was episode 10. Wow, okay. <laughs> so, and your, your podcast has been going for how long? It was born out of uh, COVID yeah. and out of, uh, you know, you, you shut down stimulus for me, external stimulus, and then yeah. my internals go crazy <laughs> and I had to do something. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was the podcast. I, I, I developed that uh, during COVID and um, then I also um, uh, developed or created a, a musical EP. Okay, so wow, I, I wrote, that's amazing. I wrote, I wrote an album at the same time. Yeah, fantastic. And where can we listen to the album? Is uh, it on Spotify? It is, it is. Yeah, um, super. Yeah, it is. And uh, the, the artist name I used was Yo Steps. And the reason for Yo <laughs> is because Julian, my nephew, James's son, yeah. uh, was calling me Uncle Yo at oh, the time. excellent. Okay. So I just thought, yeah, it was cute. So that is a super piece of information that I did not know about <laughs> you, Joe. So thank you for sharing that today. Um, I'll get the team back at the office to start up the Spotify and the Google Play. So you might get them sleeping it. on the job though if they listen to it. It's not exactly pump up music, but anyway. That's okay. I think, you know, accounts, accountants are pretty pumped anyway. So, <laughs> so um, what does a typical day look like for you? Oh, it's very varied for me. Mm-hmm. I like it that way. Yep. Um, but um, you know, we've we've tra- we've created a situation in our business whereby um, we have um, uh, progress meetings or reviews with clients, and we tranche them in a particular period. So mm-hmm. that can be extraordinarily busy at that time, and that, that's where I'm doing a lot of client facing work. Yep. Um, but there will be on on most days there'll be some form of client client facing work. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll often be some preparation for um, podcasting. Um, there'll be some liaising with my mar- marketing team to yeah. talk about, you know, videos that I want to do or mm-hmm. bits and pieces, um, internal meetings around administration and workflow for um, making sure that we're making sure that the clients are getting their imp- implementation sorted yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is definitely a time where James and I might go out for lunch. And one of the things that we have done is to say that once we go to lunch, we're not going to be talking about the business mm-hmm. where that hasn't always been the case. Yep. Um, and that's a really important thing in family business as well, to develop a relationship with family members that aren't just centered around business, mm-hmm. that are actually centered around something more because we're more than just our business, right? Yeah, yeah, and exactly. Ha- and how disciplined are you in that respect in terms of not talking about business? I don't want to throw James under the bus, <laughs> yeah. but um, James and I early, reasonably early, I sort of was the one who was quite sensitive to that because I think for me, Talking about the business at all times is more of a stressful endeavor. Mm-hmm. James is pretty easy with that, so he can just do that all the time. And I sort of said to him, look, for me to have sustainability in this, I can't talk about it all the time. Yeah. So let's talk about other stuff. And I also had the insight that down the track, what if you know we're out on a holiday? Do we just have nothing to talk about? Yeah. And so we're brothers first and foremost, mm-hmm. right? So that's the most important thing. And so... Um, yeah, me, me, James and I are like just 
we'll chat about all a bu- bunch of different things now yeah. at, at lunch, which is which is phenomenal, really. Yeah, it's good to have those boundaries. I think it's hard to um, work them out, but it's really important that, particularly if it's for your, for yourself, mm. that you need it for your own mental health and sustainability. Yeah. Then you've got to set them and and keep them in place. And it's good that you've both been able to manage that yeah, together. And, really important. And the insight comes from it's just not just something that comes up from out of nothing. Mm. It, it comes out of being with in family business groups. Um, talking to, on the podcast, there are a lot of individuals, you know, parents and sibling, uh, and, their, and, their, and their children, as an example, that their relationship centers around the business. Yeah. And they know it. Yeah. And it's hard to uncouple that. Yeah. There's a pattern that's been formed. And so having that awareness then informs the way you decide the way you move forward yeah. with, with your own. Do you thing. give your clients the advi- that sort of advice as well? Like I know that you, you do finance and wealth and things like that, so that's really important. But, you know, from a more holistic perspective, okay. I guess you probably do a bit of like counselling, you know, not, sort, not officially but... Sort of. It depends yeah. on the depth of the relationship mm-hmm. and it depends on their openness to... I'm not just going to, you know, give yeah, yeah. advice <laughs> to people if I'm seeing... But if I'm seeing something, I'll ask questions and if yeah. they divulge and mm-hmm. I, I might contribute... But I also use the podcast as a mechanism mm. to, to to say to people, hey, these are our best ideas. Like, have a listen. If I feel like I'm developing at a, at a rate of knots, uh, I'm hoping that people that are listening are also getting the same benefits. Yeah, yeah, true. That's um, really true. And back to that experience with family business, mm. uh, what we talked about before was that you your dad started this business yeah. many years ago. Yep. You worked for him at yep. some point. Is that how it worked? Yeah. And, so- then, and then there was a secession or a transition yeah, it's a really good point. It's another it's another thing. Um, so I, I say the succession part of it was more on the ethos and the values. I mean, the business when Dad had it, Dad was first and foremost an academic. Mm-hmm. So he was in a he was an accounting uh, lecturer um, and financial planning lecturer at the time. And James and I both went through um, the financial planning degree that he founded with a with a couple of other mm-hmm. lecturers. Um, and you know, he had a tax practice, an accounting practice, and and then he started small bunch of his friends and family some some financial planning on the side as this is how financial planning kind of started (laughs) and um i came in to the practice after doing the degree after going away overseas for a period of time just to help my dad due to his ill health and you know i got thrown into a succession that was not very well conceived or planned Mm -hmm. even by a financial planner and the reality of that is because Dad went from someone who was incredibly strong and healthy and fit and motivated and a, a great decision maker to someone who was now focused on a terminal illness, mm-hmm. um, a whole bunch of worry and stress yeah. associated with that. His whole mindset shifted mm-hmm. and I came in, you know, and had no idea about business, none. I was technically competent. And I understood financial planning to, from that point of view, but I had very not. I had a lot of empathy, but I had I didn't have the life experience to understand what people were going through. Yeah. So it was a really hard time, and so you know, in formulating the business strategy now going forward, it's been about trying to protect the future Joes of the world, mm-hmm. because these men and women that think you know that their their mortality is forever and yeah. is a given, yeah. it's just not, and to think about your succession is just so important ahead of the game because we're not here forever. Mm. Um, and then you don't want to be throwing, again, the future Joes of the world, you know, into this situation where 
um, they're needing to handle all this. Now, even if I wasn't involved in the business, the estate planning process itself, as an example, that was still harrowing. Mm. You know, I had some complications around all of a sudden I'm running a business and I'm trying to deal with the estate and I'm not really confident. I'm not getting great advice from, you know, the estate planner. And it was hard. And, uh, you know, being the eldest as well, mm. um, despite my own competency or my emotional capability at the time grieving my father, I had to deal with all this sort yeah. of stuff. Um, so I just thought to myself, well, it's so meaningful for me to be able to create something that is planning for the future. Yeah. And, and that's what we do for our clients. Yeah. And that's why I love what I do. Yeah. And your personal circumstance informing your ability to give good advice to your yeah. clients because you've been there. Yeah. So you absolutely understand yeah. where they're coming from yeah. and you want to sort it out for them yeah. before they get yeah. to that point. Yeah. Because as you said, you don't want them to have to then absolutely. You know, have to unravel all the things that you had to do. Yeah. So it's just a really, you know, unfortunate for you that you had that circumstance. Yeah. But how great for the people that you now have the opportunity to come across in your in exactly. your work. And and my, my, my father, you know, was, you know, probably definitely a few rungs above others in terms yeah. of what he'd put in place. Yeah. And it was still hard yeah. for me. Mm. Yeah. You know, he was a financial planner. Like, yeah. you know. Yeah, he knew the consequences. He had his <laughs> wills. He sorted it out. He, un yeah, you know, yeah. it was all well mapped out. Yeah, yeah. But he wasn't to know that, as, as an example, the support afterwards in the estate wasn't as great. So one of the questions we have, with, or one of the things that we look for when we vet the solicitors that we work with mm -hmm for our clients is we're looking for, okay, you create a great will, you create, execute a great document. What are the support systems around? What if the owner is no longer there? Who's gonna be around to assist? Yeah. Um, do we have an advisory board so that it sits there as something that could help the kids deal with some of these issues afterwards yeah. we're we're mapping these things out for clients and yeah. that's why we're getting success yeah i think that um what you're explaining to me is exactly what families need in those situations they need somebody who has held their hand through the process to make sure that what happens when the time comes is not the end of it because some as you said some advisors will just say oh well that person's died now yeah. <laughs> and that's that yep. and and here's the will and that's all sorted and yep. um, because you have an informed conversation with them they're so much better off yep. when they're you know under your under your wings yep or, or, or some advisors also will just give a handball referral yeah, mm. yeah. I, we don't do handball yeah. referrals mm. no referral is given unless that particular professional has been put through the ringer in a yeah. very respectful and yeah, nice yeah. way mm. but it's really important we ask so many questions and we mm. meet with them so many times before any referral occurs yeah uh, yeah. yeah. Have you reflected on your own secession with the, with the business? We, yes, I have. And we do have um, mapped out some plans. And I, I, interestingly, it took a little while to get to that. But I think that's because we had such a strong relationship. We felt, you know, things would be okay regardless. But I think what was good about going through the process was less about the document and more about the process of the professional asking us the questions. In this instance, what would you do? In this instance, what would you do? If you no longer wanted to work in the business, if you had a trauma-related event, yeah. you know, how, how would you handle these sort of scenarios? That's been really valuable because now we are aware of the issues and have come to a consensus agreement. Whether or not the legal document is required or not is a kind of irrelevancy yeah. in our mm. minds. Mm. But uh, to answer your question, absolutely yes. Um, one of the things that I grapple with though is that I love what I do so much and I am the type of person that likes to um, keep stimulated that I, I wonder whether there is a life without the business in the sense that I just love it. 
Well, it may not be full-time. It might be in a part-time capacity. That's or, what I'm thinking isn't going yeah, to happen. Yeah. I, 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 we're looking, you know, we've talked about four-day working week f- for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think ultimately we will probably get to that. And that feels pretty sustainable, even just four days. Yeah. And I, again, if it goes three days when I'm getting older and older, <laughs> fine. But I actually think the four days sustainable until I drop dead is perfect. Yeah, yeah. I think um, we we sort of had the same thought and we'll be having a conversation with our team um, pretty soon about that sort of thing as well, Joe, because um, as you said, it's it's the balance is really important yep. and that is part of the secession is not everybody wants to work until they drop dead as you said sometimes you've got to do other things and there's you know focus on it now rather than leave it until when you retire because I mean you would be um, you'd have the same experience as Shane and I a lot of clients when they retire they don't know what to do with themselves because they've never given it a thought like they might play golf on the weekend or they might you know do some art or something like that but they've not actually thought about how they're going to fill yeah. eight hours a day seven days a week because we're, we're, we're born to yeah, we're yeah. born to do something yeah, right so yeah. even even as we get older the things that we do tends to change because our mm. brains tend to change and you know we've got much more experience as we get older but maybe we're not as capable as we once were to mm. do the you know the technical things and that's just science right yeah, that's just yeah. biology mm. but um yeah the mode the mode shifts so we're exerting during our formal working life and we're still exerting yeah. in our retirement now mm. I think in retirement, the ones that do it really well, they're the ones that really want to give back. Yeah. And they get a sense of meaning and contri- from the contribution mm. of their, their, their time, their yeah. skills, resources that, even. That's not a financial contribution. They're no. not expecting to mm. be rewarded for that. It's just giving back. No, absolutely. Mm. Uh, that, that is the most rewarding thing of, a, of a, a lifetime of work that somehow you can use that or transition or even if it's not work your work skills that are translating, mm. but just your own um, resonance with a with a particular issue that you yeah. want to actually uh, work work in. So our, our connection in community seems to become more heightened mm. as we get older. That's what I I see. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So going on to that, because um, Aintree Group as a business is very community focused, mm-hmm. and I'm guessing that Stefan Advisory are the same. Where do you focus now? in your community what sort of things do you do as a person and as a business to bring your community into what you do yeah that's a beautiful question i um think previously um i fell away from that Mm. and i just got you know railroaded by business and you know trying to meet financial objectives and all of that and i thought well again like everything else you can do the financial objective thing at the same time as doing all of the other stuff so um and again an observation through working with um uh, working with speaking to um, people on the podcast mm. is that the ones that seem the happiest and have the most success are also the ones that are giving back right now yeah, yeah. like right now mm-hmm. so um, for us the community is is a global community mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know whether we have there are obviously issues domestically that we face but I think there are many issues um, with our neighbours just, mm-hmm. just just over the road. So, you know, um, we um, decided that we wanted to use our skills in some way to be able to assist um, those that are less fortunate. And um, we were able to work with a charity matchmaking service called Seedling Giving. I'm just giving them a plug now. Uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, <laughs> that we're able to find a charity that were 
um, open to us actually being involved in a quite strong and meaningful way. And mm -hmm. so we were able to, uh, they do basically financial literacy mm -hmm. um, uh, education um, and workshops um, for primary school age children yeah. and now moving into teenage children as well um, in PNG centrally and, and, and Cambodia. Mm -hmm. And the wealth inequality in PNG as an example is a huge issue. And um, uh, the only way that it's going to be um, improved is by uh, improving uh, education mm -hmm. around things like financial literacy and empowering people to... Uh, get better around making decisions yeah. um, with money and their career and so on. So we informed the um, and helped with the syllabus, like mm -hmm. just uh, giving our own feedback around what, what we can teach. Yep. We went to PNG, uh, taught the kids at the Barocco Primary School there uh, as an experience for us so that we could really understand what was going on yeah. on the ground. Um, and then we continue to have um, communication uh, with uh, the organisation. I'll plug them as well, KUFA. Mm -hmm. um, that um, we continue to have conversations with them around helping. And so the next thing is uh, teenagers and helping them with, uh, you know, thinking about career and yeah. all of that sort of stuff. So we're looking forward to doing that hopefully uh, in 2024. Yeah, excellent. Does that mean another trip over? Potentially, yeah. yeah Potentially. It's not uh, It's not what you'd consider a holiday. It's yeah. a great, great and amazing place, but it's got some challenges and mm -hmm. some stuff that we have to be mindful of but yes we we quite enjoyed it and it was one of the one of the most meaningful experiences in my career to date yeah fantastic um if you weren't a financial planner what would you be you can't say a musician well, I I already know <laughs> <laughs> well well in yeah so if it's not musician um i would say actually when i was coming out of school the only thing that came to mind that i felt like i could do really capably was psychology okay so yeah, but I wasn't 100% sure on it either. So yeah, I just yeah. ended up doing financial planning. But so now you're actually a psychologist, kinda, but a fan financial planner kinda, as well. We always yeah, say that, yeah. you know, um, what we do is very, very you get um, based in psychology as well. Would you ever consider going and doing formal training? Have you done any formal training in psychology? Well, not not formal training, mm. but, um, well, in, well, not formal training, but I, I read psychology books for, for, for fun. <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounds really strange, uh, but I enjoy them. Yeah. Um, many different things, like the way we use language, uh, you know, internally. So the things yeah. we tell ourselves and the flaws in our thinking yeah. um, and how to dismantle those things. You know, I find that stuff incredibly uh, interesting. Yeah. So the answer is probably yes, I would yeah. do something. But I, I, I've actually looked into financial psychology because mm. it's a new, a new stream. Yeah, wow. um, but uh, yeah, I'm so busy. <laughs> well, that is something that you can do in your day, your one day a week. Maybe, if you don't work. maybe yeah, if it doesn't yeah. get consumed by music. Yeah, which exactly. Is also well, you can, you know, there's, yeah, we, there's 24 hours in a day. That's, tr that's true. No sleep is required. <laughs> yeah. No. yeah. Um. So that's really interesting. Did when you because you started your podcast during COVID, and obviously COVID has brought out a whole range of mental health conversations that we have not had in the past because you know we. As business owners, you know that you don't talk about your own mental health. Well, you mm -hmm. certainly didn't. We do a lot more now. Yep. How do you how, how do you decompress from a mental health perspective? You've got so much. You've obviously got a lot of experience with, you know, your own readings with psychology. What things can you suggest to other business owners that help you, that have helped you decompress, particularly like when, when it's a really stressful situation? Yeah. I mean, there's so many things. Um, I think if there was one thing that I would say fundamentally shifts 
and aligns you in every other way is exercise. Yeah. If you don't get exercise in, I think your your stress is not under as much control. I think mm-hmm. once you're in your body physically, it 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 shifts you from thinking into you know being physical. Yeah. Um, but then there's obviously the uh, sort of uh, cardiovascular benefits and all the mm-hmm. rest of it. But it also then informs things like the way you sleep. Yeah. It also informs the way you eat. So it's a fundamental, uh, I think, thing that um, helps us from um, a mental health point of view. Yeah. Um, obviously, if, if people are depressed or have anxiety and so on and so forth, um, you know, exercise ain't going to be the only mm. thing. Um, but for me to just maintain um, my mental health, exercise has been a, a, a real fundamental to the extent that, you know, like I have my aura ring, mm-hmm. which, you know, records things like my movement and yeah. my stress levels and um, my sleep and all of those things. Yeah. And I think I think in the occupation that I have, if I don't handle the mental health side of things with care, I think I'm no good to my clients. Mm-hmm. So I have a responsibility to be emotionally well-adjusted so that when things are hard for my clients, I can absorb what I need to absorb yep. um, and not also... Uh, decline myself yeah, as well. Yeah. I see that a lot in what uh, people like you and Shane do, mm. that you do absorb a lot of people's. Lot. And, you know, in when times are hard, you know, with interest rates going up and all of those things or everything that's going on in the world, the clients will come and they will need to decompress that information and they really do rely heavily on their trusted advisors to do that because mm. they've obviously got a really good relationship with you. Mm. How do you and James manage that sort of stuff? Do you do that sort of stuff together, the the decompression stuff? Do you exercise together? You, you obviously go out for lunch, um, that yeah. sort of thing. What else do you do as a family and as a family unit even? Because you mentioned your um, nephew. How does that all help you? Yeah, so we encourage each other, um, you know, with the exercise thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we'll send each other snapshots of like <laughs> – you know, so a bit of family competition. Yeah, 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 although yeah. there's no competition because James is just, uh, <laughs> he's a freak of nature. So, but, um, you know, sorry, what was your question again? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, bringing your family together and what do you do as a family to make sure that you're looking after each other's, you know, mental health and, and all of that, you know, from yeah. a full family perspective yeah. as well, not just between you and James. Yeah. I think we're a really open family. Mm-hmm. I think we're a really communicative family, um, and we're, we ca- we care about each other a lot. So, um, I'll speak for myself. I, I think I, my biggest challenge is to see someone that I care about that may be struggling, and knowing that there may be something that I'm doing that could assist them, mm-hmm. and then advising them in a way or trying to help them in a way that doesn't sound like I'm telling them what to do. Yeah. And the only reason that I feel like sometimes I will tell someone what to do is because I really care mm-hmm. and I feel like something that I that I am doing might actually help. Yeah. Um, so I've learned with time that people are going to do what they do regardless of to an extent of what yeah. you say. Yeah. And they'll do it they'll they might take up your suggestion at a time when they're ready. So I'm a little bit more relaxed now than I maybe was. Mm-hmm. And this is a recent kind of insight. Yeah. But I think fundamentally that I care and because I care, 
uh, particularly obviously my family directly um you know i i i use the stuff that i've learned in the podcast and from other amazing people uh to try to you know help the family culture yeah and and it's about well-being right yeah yeah exactly in whatever that is yeah yeah mm. and i think that um families are such a tough thing like i had a conversation with some friends last night around the dinner table and we're talking about christmas because christmas is coming up and it's i don't know whether it's the same for you guys mm -hmm. but for for my friends in particular they were talking about how much pressure there is around christmas and organizing the family to come together and all of that sort of thing and christmas is a really stressful time mm. and so i think it's really important to have those open communications because people will often be like get resentful about who is doing this for christmas and who is doing that and whether you catch up with this person and shane and i go away for christmas mostly mm. Mm. Um, because we like to spend it with our you know immediate family just our kids and obviously as the kids grow our kids are much bigger they are now off doing their own thing and we probably will just <laughs> lay on the couch <laughs> Christmas day which is fantastic yeah um how do you celebrate holidays with your family oh well <laughs> yeah for me it's easy I'm um you know I don't have any kids yeah. um or a partner so I'm I'm very happy to just hang around with my family yeah, um yeah. as an example um we're going to Bali. Oh, awesome. Um, with James's kids mm -hmm. and my mum and my sister-in-law and, you know, um, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's always, it's always been, Christmas is always for us, always centered around family and eating mm -hmm. and eating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Like yeah. many right. other families. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, travel. Do you love to travel? Yes, I don't stop traveling. <laughs> <laughs> Where's your favorite place to travel? Oh, it's usually again centered around food <laughs> and um, I would say I would say Italy is probably my favorite just from the, the cuisine yeah. I love the cuisine yeah uh, the people are great um, you know particularly the regions down south the foods there are just incredible yeah. um, and so yeah I'd probably say Italy yeah yeah, yeah. for sure um, if you could choose one place in the world that you'd like to live that isn't Melbourne where would it be oh God <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I just threw that one in there. Just so, to so, so are we talking up, so. domestic or are we talking anywhere? anywhere? If you could move yeah. anywhere else in the world, where would you go to? Okay, I would probably. I'll, I'll, I'll give a bit of a caveat first. I would. <laughs> I would do more travel quickly just to mm -hmm. make sure I'm not missing anywhere. <laughs> and then I think at this point, from what I know, I'd probably choose something like Sicily. Yeah, okay. Wow. Down south in Italy. Nice, yeah. nice, chill, chill beaches, yeah. Yeah. food. Your guitar on the beach. Guitar on the beach. Yeah. Life is is easier, and I'd probably travel between Sicily and Melbourne. That would be my ideal. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a good dream too. Yeah. And when are you going to retire? I'll just throw that in there so that James has got something to think about. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think like I said before, I, I don't think I will retire in the sense of retirement, but yeah. there'll be a shift in mode. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the shift is going to be a graduating one too. So like the idea of a four day working week mm. is a gradual retirement, even if it happens at the age of 45. Yeah, mm. yeah, 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 exactly. I think that's a really good um, way to be as well because yeah. you the flexibility of what you do and the reason why you run an, your own business and a family business just gives you that. Yeah. And I think that's um, why a lot of people 
choose to run their own businesses because it just gives that flexibility yep. to do that. And how great is it that now you could actually retire and be on that beach in Sicily yep. and still be doing work yeah. back home for clients? I, th I think here, we use so. the word retirement just to describe yeah, yeah. something, but Absolutely. I think really it's not retirement. It's it's just yeah. a change in exertion. Yeah, that's yeah. it. I, I think as business owners, I think that retirement word is actually phasing out. I don't think it's that relevant I anymore. I hope so. Yeah, because I don't really love it. No, it has a connotation no. of it that you just sit back and you do nothing. Now, yeah. if that's your choice, that's your choice, and that's what you want to do. Bless you. I hope you are able to do that. Yeah, I can't do it. No, yeah. so it's like a cliff sometimes. Yeah, and and so yeah, the conversations that I have with clients and people is that business owners particularly is that retirement is not the word. It's about as you said, it's phasing or changing mode. Yep, which is the key thing. I agree. Um, and if you're still healthy, keeping your mind active until the age of eighty plus. Yeah. That's that's fine. Why wouldn't you want to contribute? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I think everyone, most people would. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we've found that um, many clients who choose to retire yeah. never retire. They start up a different business. They go into some other sort of exciting yep. um, proposition because they find something because their their mind they want to keep their mind active. It's like a I football player that just sort of finishes and then says, "I'm going to do maybe a six months to a year of doing not much," and yeah. then all of a sudden they're like. I got what to do, do I do so now? <laughs> it doesn't change just because you get older. No, exactly. No. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Really appreciate it. As I said, you are our first. So um, when we're on our 50th episode, hopefully <laughs> we, will, we will have a conversation and um, talk about 50, 50 episodes. But I really appreciate your time today, Joe. Well, it's if, been really great. Well, if this is you. your first, if this is your first, I can't wait for your 100th. I mean, I this know. is great. So I appreciate it's an It's an honour and I appreciate being uh, being on on it at all so thank yeah. you very much amazing uh, great thank you. Thanks, thanks very much thanks. no worries